y'all. Welcome to another week of The Golink Show. My name is Ben Harris. I am the founder of Golink. Golink is a goal-setting community providing growth junkies, which is, is hopefully you, with weekly challenges to avoid complacency. So if you're looking to grow on a consistent basis and develop yourself, you're in the right place. And these challenges are inspired by brands to bring you new ways to develop and improve yourself. You can kick back and watch me take on these exciting and uncomfortable challenges, or you can join me. I challenge every listener to complete these weekly goals. Catch the content on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Golink Group. The Golink Show, this podcast, recounts experiences from the achievers of the world, but not just the success. We delve into the challenges and the struggle that we all face. How do we find the will to push through? What role do motivation, discipline, and failure play in our lives? Let's talk about the process and not just the result. We discuss this and much more on the show. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we have an awesome guest, Johnny. Johnny Santana, a filmmaker who I met at a personal development conference while he was filming and working for Tom Bilyeu, who, if you don't know, he's the owner of Impact Theory and Quest Nutrition. So that's kind of a big deal. That, and we get to hear about that story later how he started working for Impact Theory, how he met Tom, and why he quit, because he just recently quit that job. Um, this is an awesome interview. He's a great dude. Get ready. I mean, just listen to this mission statement. He wants to make film that changes the social conscious of the culture to help people love more and be kinder, and to tell stories with values that deepen the souls of the audience. Boom, that is a mission. And he knew that he wanted to make film since he was four, which is wild to me at four that, like, you know it. I mean, we say crazy things when we're four, but he's stuck to that. And he's, he's known that since he was four. Um, how his achiever mentality has helped and also hurt him. How he has cultivated leadership principles when directing films. Why his personal growth is first and progression of his career is second. And why we should treat ourselves as you would treat a loved one. And why being the nice guy actually pays off. That's a big deal for me and how he learned to dream so big. Like I mentioned before, he knew since he was four that he wanted to be a filmmaker, and he had a dream board at six years old, which is wild, and he talks about winning an Oscar like it's a no big deal, and he knows it's gonna happen. It's an awesome mindset. Get ready for a cool, awesome interview. Here it is with Johnny. Everyone, welcome to The Goaling Show. We got Johnny Santana here. Or I'm not sure if you prefers Jonathan. Do you prefer Johnny, Jonathan? I, I think Johnny is is the way to go. We'll do that, dude. You know it, man. And Johnny Santana—that's just a legit name. And you know, I gave you an intro before in the beginning of the podcast. You know, obviously after we've recorded this, but to give you to give everyone just a quick rundown of who you are, how would you describe yourself in like one or two sentences? In one to two sentences, that's a good question. I am a filmmaker who wants to make films that eventually change the social conscious of the culture in which the films are released in order to help people love more and be kinder towards one another. So I want to tell, and I want to tell stories and make films that have morals and values that seep into the souls of the viewers and the audiences. That is my ultimate goal. Dude, that is awesome, and that's well put. Thank you. Do you is that is that like your mission statement, or do you? I that's think you kind of say that. Yeah, no, that is my mission statement. It's it's that my mission statement since I was four has been to make films 
But recently, over the past few years, I've discovered why I want to make films and how I'm going to contribute mm. with the films. Um, earlier on, it was just it was more of an ego thing, and I'm still battling <laughs> with that right now. But um, but definitely for the past few years, it's been about the contribution of what the film's message is. Because you can spend years of your life making a movie. I spent I did, I did two movies, both took me two years to make, and I realized after doing those two years of hard work, you know, backbreaking work, blood, sweat, and tears, that if the film itself didn't have a good message or a reason to exist beyond just entertainment value, it felt like an empty pursuit. And so mm. recently I've, I've discovered that making film, making art that puts good into the world and positivity and spreads wise ideas is what the ultimate goal should be for my career at least. That's awesome. And you said about your ego. So initially did you start making films just because you thought it was cool and you wanted to make like a great piece of art and you're like, yes, I made that. Or what do you mean? by ego it was more of like the achiever mentality that i've had when i was younger my dad has always pushed me to be my best self like he put mm-hmm. me you know like in after school classes and in boy scouts and you know like on different soccer and soccer teams and i was always i, I was raised to be an achiever and everything like that and so that kind of permeated into my passion for filmmaking so i just wanted to achieve the biggest baddest thing in filmmaking make the biggest mm-hmm. movies work with the biggest people and um and so that's what I achieved. And, and a lot of people want to get into entertainment. Um, they do it for two reasons, right? They do it because it's their obsessive passion, but also some of them just want the fame attached to it. I don't think I necessarily wanted the fame, but I really loved what I was doing, and I wanted to be, like, the best in the world at it just to be the best in the world at it. And okay. that's when I realized it was destructive. Um, not entirely destructive, but if you're only doing something because you want to be the best in the world at something and you're comparing yourself to others, then that's when like you can feel really shitty. And I had many days where I was like, why am I doing this? Why do I feel shitty when I'm working with a beautiful team? And I didn't appreciate that. And what I realized is when I tied, my current film is about mental health and gun violence. Uh-huh. And it was a, a cause that I'm very passionate about and a cause that um, a lot of my friends are into and something that's definitely in my age bracket of what's going on. And mm-hmm. when I tied this film towards that, um, it was definitely a, a, a much better and wiser fuel and it really makes me feel good about myself. I mean, these past eight months have been very hard making this film. Incredibly hard. It was very stressful. But also, at the end of it, when it's out, I'm no, I know it's going to be very rewarding. Because, like, the message that I'm telling is something that I really think a lot of people would benefit from hearing. And so, um, making that switch from just wanting to be the best in the world at it and working with, like, the best people and most famous people to doing your art because it contributes to society and changes people at the individual level, that's when... I was like, this is the way to go. And so that's why the mission statement kind of changed over the past few years. Dude, that's awesome. And to back up just a little bit, um, I think age is just a number, but for you, I think it's important because you talk like you're some wise old man, but I I think it's important to talk. So how old are you? I just turned 21. uh, And that's what I thought. In February, yes. Right. And for someone who, yeah, like I want to commend you for, Dude, like, what you've done in your thought process already for being that young is so cool. But do you ever get in your head? Because I bet you get that all the time. Like, Johnny, you're so young and you're so successful. You're so driven already. How have you battled with, like, that achiever mentality and being young and relatively successful for how young you are? And and by that, do you mean how have I dealt with, like, internal pressures and doubts or dealt with yeah. internal... I think both of those, but whatever applies more to you right now. It's a very good question. Um, When you make 
movies and you lead teams just in general because when you're in, when you're an independent filmmaker you're basically an entrepreneur because as an independent mm-hmm. filmmaker as a director producer and writer you have to get all the locations you have to get the legal form signed for the 50 extras that are going to show up to a shoot mm-hmm. like yeah like that's all you unless you delegate well and that's the skill I need to learn um and so it's very it's, it's very easy to um get in your head about just the stress of it all i think that to answer your question i would say the achiever mentality is is really good um but the one the one problem i've faced especially just being young and new to it is that i let myself get stressed out so easily like super easily and when you're stressed it's very easy to succumb to doubt and i get it all the time like i'm like for example two weeks ago i had a shoot it was a graduation scene and i had to order 20 caps and gowns off of amazon and i was thinking okay the shoot is in three days i can just get prime like i was procrastinating it the whole time i was like prime <laughs> in two days like you know, mm-hmm. it'll come in two days i'll deliver to my house i have all the outfits i need um and then i go on amazon and the caps and gowns aren't on prime and 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 i just start doubting myself like i start writing out a message an email telling everybody that it's canceled like i can't make uh-huh. it happen it's not possible um and then it turns out i was just not logged into my amazon account and like when i logged into my amazon account it read that i was a prime user and that it would come look at that but like but but the doubt is very easy to succumb to um at least in my like in my experience um especially because it's just very stressful. I haven't learned how to manage the stress very well yet. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah so that's I, the so key I, word. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you know, you could do anything on a long enough timeline. And so, and so, with that being said, I think that number one challenge that I've dealt with. Um, I don't know if this is a good answer to your question, but but definitely, like, what gets in my way and what gets in my head is just the stress of everything, and then mm-hmm. the doubt that comes with the stress. But the solution to that is just gratitude and appreciation. Also, the solution to that is having a great team around you that mm-hmm. believes in you as well. I've had many moments these past few months where I completely doubted myself. And I, and I, there were times where I didn't believe in myself, but my team uh, reminded me of what the mission was and what we've achieved in the past because I work with the same people over and over. And because of having that team and that support group, it was very easy for them to like snap me back into state. Sometimes it was out of an argument. Sometimes it was like out of love, but regardless, like they did it with the best intentions and it was very beautiful. And that's one thing I've noticed about you um, just by following you on Instagram is you give props to your team and you thank people, you show gratitude, which is awesome. And, but I have a question about that. Like, yes, how did you, I have an answer. Okay, what's the answer? <laughs> Do you have an answer before I even ask it? <laughs> I'm not, I, no, I'm not a mind reader. I wouldn't be <laughs> all, right, all right. No, you're good, dude. But, uh, like, how did you find that team so quickly? Did you grow up with all these people? Or how did you quickly cultivate that team atmosphere and the group of people around you? It's a very good question. It wasn't a quick process at all. But the thing that I had on my side was time. Since I was four years old, I wanted to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I was obsessed with it. So all the friends that I ever had, I, I like all the friends that I ever had were involved in film in some way. Because I didn't make friends with the baseball players. I made friends with the kids that wanted to be the actors. I made friends with okay. the kids that wanted to be makeup artists. Like in middle school, like elementary school, um, all of that. And so in San Diego, I stayed in San Diego for, you know, until I was 18, 19. And so just accumulating the friendships that I had and then the friends that I made in high school that were actors. They had friends that were actors and writers and all of that. And so just since I was four, the number one thing that would seep into every conversation I would have with people are that I'm a filmmaker and I want to make big movies. And because of that, 
it filtered out the people that did not want to make movies, and it filtered in the people that wanted to make movies. And so by the time I was 17, and I was making like my my first big stuff, you know, my first features and everything, I had already accumulated a community of people that mm. I knew that make movies. And it was because over a 10-year process, I was the guy that made movies, and I told everybody that I was the guy that made movies. And so because of that, I made friends with people that made movies. So okay. when, yeah, and, and also to add to that, um, my first feature film was 10 people involved, but the, the reason I was able to get 70 or 80 in my second feature film was because I premiered the first one for my whole community. I invited everyone from the school. I put it posters up in community colleges. Like I, I blasted it out to my whole community in San Diego, I put it on Facebook groups. Those are very important. And so when everybody showed up and the film, I mean, granted, it's not great. You know, it, it was my first one. It's not good. But mm-hmm. afterwards, when I thanked everybody and afterwards when I talked to everyone and and everyone saw that we were just a passionate group of teenagers that wanted to make movies, when I announced two months later that I was casting and building a team for my next movie, I had all these Instagram DMs and all these people that want to be a part of the, the thing because when you have momentum, you can easily sweep people up in, in your in your goal and your vision. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you consistently deliver projects above you know above a great level, you know, like if you consistently deliver projects on time and and are able to awe people just because of the hard work you put into it, you're going to attract people that want to help you. And with every one of my films, I've been able to build the team bigger and bigger and bigger now to the point where for the, the big prom scene for this film that I just shot, all I had to do was post on my Instagram story two weeks earlier, hey, I'm shooting a film, I need extras who want to be in the prom. I got 60 to 70 people that respond. You know, like this, yeah, in the first three days. Like, that's, that's to the point, like, when you just build momentum and you keep doing shit and people keep seeing that you're doing shit and you're thankful for them and you're grateful and you make sure that you give back to them with their reels, IMDb credit, free food. You know, you just give back to <laughs> all of them. It eventually stands and grows and, um, that's how I was able to build the team for my current film. I just put myself out there and ask people for help. People yeah, are... That's- that's awesome. It's surprising how much people can help you if you ask. It's really surprising. Like, if you have a good goal and mission, I'm sorry, I cut you off there, but now, like, I'm on a roll. Like, Keep I, going, I, I, just want, I just want to say that with my current film, it wasn't a big budget or anything. I got a full-time job to fund it. However, there was venues that I'd be getting in San Diego that cost three grand per hour wedding venues. Like, just these huge venues that I needed to film a movie to make it look an 80s prom scene or 80s wedding. And I got them for $600 for the whole day. Like, think about that. Like, they saved me wow. thousands of dollars. And the only reason is because I led up a mission. I told them it's about mental health, gun violence. And one thing that I've really learned is that if you lead with a dream and you paint a grand vision and you do it because you're trying to help other people and you're trying to spread a positive message, like, people want to help you. Um, and so that's that's one thing, too, about how you can build teams and get locations and, and shit. You just got to, like, Believe in yourself, believe in your vision, believe in your team, and, and be wanting to do good for others. It's positivity. Dude, you are very, like, you definitely have this crazy vision, <clears throat> excuse me, where, and you're so clear and, like, laser focused. Do you feel that, like, of yourself, of, like, your vision and your mission is just, like, I can feel it even over the phone. Do you feel how, like, focused you are? Oh, thank you for saying that. It's really nice that you acknowledge it. I, I mostly feel it. I, I just got a period of my life where I was being pulled in two separate directions, and so that was kind of painful. Um, I learned a lot, and I grew a lot. But um, recently, now that I've been reconnecting, like, fully, 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 like, with what I really want to do and what needs to happen, 
it's all I think about, right? Like, like I, like there's nothing else that I think about. Everything is always like, I, I I make a joke and uh, that when I'm working on a film project, like the characters live in my head, like like literally live in my head. Like they don't pay rent and they live in my head. Like they just argue with each other and they, and they talk and, and I, Mm. and I see the scenes and the camera angles. I dream about going on my film set. Like I'm obsessive. So I guess if you call obsessiveness focus, then I definitely am that. I also have my vices. <laughs> I like it. You know, I have my vices that I turn to too often sometimes, but um, I generally always like default to being obsessive over a film project. I've never not been making a movie. I always do pre-production during my post-production of a film, so I always have something to move on. That that could be bad too, though, also because you don't get time to like realign with what your ultimate goals are. Mm. Um, but I definitely am obsessive with my work. Well, dude, that, I think that's a, just a perfect, like, synopsis of you in, in that, those first few minutes. I want to talk about a second of how we met. We met at the Powerful You event in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, and I, still have, I still have footage of you there. <laughs> you still have footage? Am I allowed, yeah, am I, am I allowed to have it? <laughs> I I don't know if I can get it anymore. But, uh, yeah. but I uh, but I, I would sometimes edit and I stick your face in some of the audience shots because I knew you. Just so you know. Yes, yes, thank you. I remember I saw myself on YouTube. I'm like, yes, Johnny, thank you. That quick, oh. that quick frame. But I remember, dude, I remember when I saw you and met you. You were just just this one, just smiley, like go lucky dude, like. And I remember the like the first conversation we talked and it was just simple, just, Hey, what's up? Like, I can't remember what I said, but the first conversation we had, you ended it with, what can I do for you? Mm. And you've asked that every single conversation that we've had. And so I want to know the story. What's behind that? Like, like, why do you ask that? That's actually a really good question. I, I, when I was younger, my dad, owns a few apartment buildings and a laundromat in San Diego. And he would always take me to go with him. Like when I was younger after school or whatever, like he would pick me up and he'd, he'd take me and my brother to go while he was working and, and doing everything. And he, well, he's Mex- I'm Mexican. So he, so he'd say it in Spanish, but he would, he would always end his conversations with the tenants of the apartments or at the laundromat. He would always say, a tu servicio. Like at the end. He was like, uh, si necesitas algo, estoy a tu servicio. I'm saying I have a bad accent, but, but he would say, eat anything, I'm at your service. My dad would always mm. end his conversations with that. And I think that maybe like, I think that maybe like, uh, seeped into me, perhaps. I know that there's also a big wave on social media, like with Gary Vaynerchuk and, and other mm-hmm. entrepreneurs that like, you have, if, if you give, 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 like that's like, that's the best recipe to life. First off, because it makes you happier. And also because like, you, you really fan relationships. Um, that are just healthy and and you start sort of like-minded people by just giving, giving, giving. And also, it's out of a bit of guilt. Like, I feel like everyone helps me so much that if I mm. don't ask, like, people, like, if I can do anything for them, that I, I just feel really bad. Like, I feel like, like you're helping me so much. Like, like why, um, why, uh, why do I not help you back? I, I think those are the major um, influences, in my opinion. That I can think of, but no, it's a good question. It, that it, makes it, sense. it made me it made me think of my dad, who would always say, "My dad always would say at the servicio at your service," and he was the guy that owned the building, and he was also the guy that cleaned the building, and he was also the guy that repaired the machines if they broke down. He was always there to help. Uh, there was no job that was below him. Hmm. 
Dude, that's awesome. On that note, because you said you kind of feel guilty if you don't ask that question, but do you ever ask yourself that question? Like, what can you do for yourself for like self-care purposes? Oh, I'm like, glad you asked because I, 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 I had a habit of burning out for the past few years where I go, would go really hard, not invest in myself or my mind or my health. And I would just burn out. And sometimes I'd even end up, you know, in the ER just because of like, just because of how like, like how hard I was going. But recently I've, I've been able to nurture some very, very good friendships that I should live with them, my roommates. And they have very healthy habits. Like they eat well, nutritious. They, they crock pot like a whole, like, like all the meals for the week. And like it's greens and veggies and, and cool. they have a good sleeping schedule. And so recently I've been really like trying to shift my mind and say that, um, my personal growth is first. The results in my career are second. Reason mm-hmm. is, because there's, I don't know who said it exactly, but you're only ever going to reach the maximum level of success as your personal growth has reached. Like, like it, it, it goes hand in hand. Like if your personal growth has been like at 50 for the past 10 years, your career growth and your business success is only going to stay at 50. But if you invest in yourself, you eat right, you get the right habits in your life, you go to sleep on time, wake up when you need to work out, and you get yourself from 50 to 70 to 80 to 100, over a five-year timeline and you keep building yourself as a person rather than, you know, yourself, like, as your career figure, um, your career will eventually take off exponentially because the people that aren't investing in themselves are going to burn out or they are going to just, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, like, like they're not, they're not going to be able to reach the maximum of success. They're going to hit a wall of doubt or they're going to hit depression because they're not eating right or they're going to hit um, uh, just an overwhelming amount of stress if they give up. But if you have like pit stops and you and you like treat yourself like as if you as if you were your own kid. Like so like one analogy that someone made to me was would you tell your twelve year old son to work sixteen hour days, not eat, not shower, not brush their teeth, yeah. wake up and work another six like like you wouldn't tell your twelve year old son to do that. So why are you telling yourself hmm. that? Treat yourself as if you treat a loved friend or a loved one. And so and, and so this is very new to me. Like literally, this is like I'm weeks in. I'm I'm a month I'm, I'm a month and a half into like me trying to shift my mindset. But that is something that I that I um, have been trying to give back on myself. But I had did not in the past ever. If, if if anything in the past, I would beat myself up because I wasn't working hard. But that's not a winning strategy to just happiness and success. What we chase in success, we're not chasing it for the success itself. We're chasing it because we think that success is going to make us happy. But there's so many habits that you can do on yourself. That doesn't require you to like burn yourself out and depress yourself that make you happy. And then the success comes along with you being so happy because you love doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I think like, I agree with you completely. And for like, you said it's a strategy. Not only is it like, it could sound like fluffy, like take care of yourself, but it actually is a strategy to like, Oh, to have like a winning life and to be successful. Like, even if you look at it, like, analog or like technically it is something that you should do so you can last longer and perform better yeah no, uh, totally. I, I completely i completely completely agree um again I, i'm right now i'm in the process of putting into practice i am a complete amateur to this kind of strategy and, and <laughs> building yourself yeah. up so you can build other things but i am i've definitely taken it a lot more seriously and i'm gonna i'll report back to you as how i do but um but what uh what 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 did Yoda say? There is no try, there's only do or do not. 
So I'm not going to yeah, try. I'm going to do it, and I'll report back. I like it, dude. And do you remember when we tried to be accountability partners? Yes, I screwed <laughs> over on that, and I, I was not I was not going through the best parts of my life. I was really, really, yeah. really just like I was hit with so much self doubt, working on my film. Um, mm-hmm. doing other, you know, activities that were just taking up all my day. I was just, like, not in the right mindset. And one thing that I that I learned from that, one thing that, like, I can relate to other people in my life is that a, one problem, like, if you're noticing someone having a problem with following their word or their accountability or just following, like, things that they're going to say they're going to do, I think it's because they're, like, in a hard place where they don't trust themselves. That's, mm. that, that, that's at least where I was. And so... I learned a lot from that, and I'm doing my best to, again, build myself up and stay away from those bad habits. But also, when I look around at some of my friends who don't have the same strategies that I use, you know, to like, get ahead, um, I see a lot of that. I see, like, let's go to lunch at noon. Oh, wait, I can't. Something came up. Or let's do this at this. Wait, I can't. Something came up. And it's and I've been able to trace it back to myself, at least, and I don't trust myself. And so I, I tend to, like, I, I now understand how to empathy for people like that. Like, they don't trust themselves to be able to make it or do what they need to do. And so they kind of like uh, back out and that's very painful. So I tend mm. to like extend empathy now, but dude, I'm so sorry about that. I, I, I screwed you over. I, I, I couldn't commit. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I was not in a good place in my life. And, well, no, uh, dude, you're good. I mean, it's I'm on me too, that. right? No, don't be sorry, man. I appreciate that. But to, to I, your credit, you did a great job. Like you would call me <laughs> and get me on the phone. Like, you, you're, you, you are fantastic. So to your credit, like you did a phenomenal job. Dude, well, thanks, dude. I'm I'm an accountability fiend, so if anyone wants to be an, my accountability partner, well, actually, no, someone did ask me, and it's been two weeks. So, Johnny, I've I failed that other person, but dude, it's so easy. I was gonna ask you like what you learned from it, but it's so easy to like let it just fall to the wayside. Like even for me, who's someone who's like yeah, who holds himself accountable, but um, to do you mind if we go to, go into like the job you just quit? Is that cool? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I I I left on good terms. Beautiful people. Um. It yeah. was in my path, and and they agree that it was in my path, and I'm still in their lives, and I'm still gonna help them out with some shoots. You know, when they when they with everything. But um. But yes, I did I did leave that job. Well, yeah, and for people. I I want to go into the story. I know I briefly remember it, but you worked for Impact Theory. So Tom Billy, yeah. Lisa Billy, yeah. um, you know, class nutrition, really though, and doing just releasing amazing content. If you don't know who they are, I'd be surprised. But if not, look up Impact Theory. If, if, you, probably, if you guys if you guys do everything that Lisa and Tom tell you to do, your life will be better because of it. Like it's they so are, true. But it's, it's completely true. They're fantastic. Um, so tell, so tell everyone the story of how you got the job, like how you met Tom and how you got that job. So because I've always been very entrepreneurial, I've looked up to entrepreneurs and I was, I think maybe 17, 18, uh, 19 maybe. I don't know how exactly old I was. I'm kind of forgetting, but I really got into like following big entrepreneurs. And one of the big entrepreneurs that I followed was a very special man named Tom Bilyeu. Um, who worked very hard to build a, a billion-dollar company, and he did it in five years. Him and his wife did it uh, in a phenomenal fashion called Quest Nutrition. And so I followed them because they also produced a show called Impact Theory where they dissect the minds of the most brilliant people in the world, and they lay it out for you in kind of like a mentorship way where, like, you literally can be mentored by David Goggins or you can be mentored by et cetera, et cetera, name a big 
famous, amazing person that's had a lot of success here. Like, like that's like that's the kind of show they were doing. So I was listening to the show, and I was watching the show all the time when I'd be editing or making my movies or planning my day. And then I find out that Tom is actually originally a filmmaker. I'm listening to one of the keynotes, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I want to make movies. He went to USC. What? That's so cool. I applied there. Oh wait, he is now starting a movie studio. What? And then when I heard that he started a movie studio, I was like, I need to meet this guy. I need to meet the team. I need to meet Lisa. I need to figure out how I can help build the studio because his mission aligned exactly with mine, which was to make movies that um, change the culture in a in a way that has just positive impact. And so because of that, I try to figure out, you know, how to get to him. Should I send him an email? Should I send him a text? But then I find out that he's actually going to be in Anaheim. And I, and I find out he's going to be in Anaheim the day before he's in Anaheim. He, he, he was going to be at a place called WonderCon, and I was in San Diego. It was raining like hell that week, and I never really driven like far distances in the rain. Like I like I was very I was not necessarily sheltered, but everything was so close by. But it was like there was a rainstorm. The highways were, you know, filled with water. There was accidents and everything. And on top of that, um, in the AMA, Tom Tom says like like come say hi. Like I want you there. He was promoting a comic book that he was about to do, a great comic book with Steve Aoki called Me on Future. And so he wanted me there. And I'm listening to the to the AMA that he's doing, which is basically a live, a live Q&A. And I go, okay, let me get WonderCon tickets. And I Google WonderCon, and turns out they're all sold out, right? Like, I mean, it's the day before a huge convention center. Like, like how mm-hmm. can I get in? Um, but I keep doing some more research, and it was just like it was like a false ad that said it was sold out. Like, I, I didn't let that stop me. Like, I did more research, and there was a kind of ticket that I could buy that would still let me go in. I didn't, like, stop at the first time I said it was sold out. I almost did, but I was like, nah, there must be a way. And so I buy a ticket, and I drive through the rain very uncomfortably, but I do it. I get there very, very early. I'm pumped up. I'm very excited. I wear a white long sleeve shirt because I think I'm going to look professional. And I show up. He's not there. The team is there, but I'm talking to the team. They're beautiful. That's why, that's where I met Casey. She she runs the operations of the comic department at Infectory. She's a beautiful story. Okay. And she says she's going to get Tom to come by because I'm there, you know, and I'm the only one sitting in the chairs. And then Tom comes in, and I'm freaking out. You know, he's a lot shorter in person than I thought he was going to be. Um, <laughs> and I'm smiling really big, and he looks at me kind of weird. I give him a hug. Obviously, I thank him for everything that he's done that he does because he deserves thanks. People forget to thank people that do big things because they think they're t- thanked all the time. But in reality, mm. that thank that thanking becomes a fuel for them. And so right. I, I, I thanked him. Um, and then I told him that I'm a filmmaker and that I've worked with um, people in the past that kind of gave me credibility, and that, uh, and then I said I wanted to, I wanted to email him one of my films, and that I was willing to you know work for him for free, et cetera, et cetera. And then so I get an email uh, to the general company. I leave there you know glowing. I'm like holy shit, I connected with him. That's amazing. Um, and then I send an email out, and they email me back going, hey, I saw your work, very interesting. Would you mind coming by um, sometime this week to shoot a video of him in LA and and so we can see if you're skilled and talented enough to be part of the team. So I go do that, and I shoot something. I prepare like like hell. Like I, like I, all I'm doing is consuming impact theory content. I'm asking myself the question, why would they hire me? And I realize they'll hire me because I can bring something original to the table, which means I have to film this segment in a way that it's never been filmed before for them. And so I I rent like a steady cam. I like I, I I figure out what their house looks like by looking at their Instagram stories and I find out places that they don't film usually like offset and how I can film there. And so I come in with a plan, I execute on the plan and it's a video that like that they've never done before and they mm. saw it and they were very impressed and they were like, Wow, this is original 
and he came prepared. And so I'm, we're going to offer him a three-month stay. And if he uh, achieves great things in those three months, then we are going to hire him full-time. And then I did all of that, um, and I got hired full-time. So that is my story of how I got into Impact Theory. And <laughs> Dude. It was a great experience. Dude, that is an amazing story. Like, what's the lesson for anybody, like, I mean, I, we could re- go back, replay it, and break it down. And I think just a few takeaways, like, you didn't stop when tickets were, like, sold out. Like, you kept going. You weren't afraid yeah. to, like, make a connection. Like, you got there early. You were talking to the team, like, um, and then you prepared, and you did something original. I think that's the biggest takeaway is that you wanted to stand out, and you put exactly. in the time. And, you know, Tom talked about that, too, is that he has an insane level of preparation more than anyone. And I think you mirrored that or you showed that to them, and that's what stood out. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it takes – you have to be outstanding, you know, in life to stand out. And and in order for you to stand out and to be outstanding, you have to come up with ways of doing things people haven't done before. And you don't have to be an original person to think of this. All you have to do is ask the question, how can I do something that is slightly different or how can I do something in a different way to present what I'm trying to present. Um, and if you do that, like people take notice because you suddenly rise among the top of everybody else who's doing the same exact thing. And so if you go to a mentor or someone who you want to be a mentor and you provide insane amount of value and in a new way that they've never thought of before and you stand out and you're a nice guy, like one of the reasons why I've been able to like achieve what I've achieved, which is nothing really, but one of the reasons why I've been able to achieve what I've been able to achieve is because I try to be like the nicest guy. Like I, like I genuinely try to care about people and I genuinely try to like add a value and I genuinely just want the best for everybody. Like having those good intentions is very, very um, important. Yeah. And I feel like, so I would consider, I guess I would consider myself trying to be a nice person. Have you ever felt uh, like the nice guy doesn't always finish last that have you ever battled with that, that you need to be, I don't know, more straightforward, maybe not straightforward, but like taking more instead of giving because you are such a giving and caring and nice person. Have you ever battled with the opposite point of view? Mm, I think that I personally, that's a good question. I think that like all I really want, you know, is to make movies. And so if, Overall, the goal is being met. Like it's not even just I just I want to make the best the, the the best product that I can make that achieves the goal that I want. And so I find that generally being collaborative and generally just being nice on set and hearing everybody's ideas. Like I don't care if my idea is the best one. Like if my idea is shit and and one of the PAs gives me a phenomenal idea of how the scene can completely turn around, like I'll take it and I'll run with it. And so I generally don't force feed my vision down people's um, throats or in a very dictatorship manner. I generally just paint what the goal is. And if there's a different path that someone pitches me, I will definitely go down it. Now there are times where I've had a fight for my vision when I've worked with certain producers because I just felt like it'd be the better movie. And in, in mm-hmm. those times, in those times, like I, I stick by my guns and I rally people by me that believe it too, so that I can have like, it's, so, that, so that it's more like democracy Right. So like, so if if there's one person that's stopping me from getting the shot that I want because they don't think it would make sense and they don't want to put the money behind it, I get like the actors and I get 
the writers and I get um, er, the extras involved and I go, hey, like, this is how I want to do it. Um, would you be willing to, like, rally behind me to do that? And if they believe in, in what I'm saying and they, and they believe that I'm right, then it's very hard for one person's idea to, you know, rise in credibility when everyone else is given the credibility of the idea that's correct. I think the best idea always wins. And I never go into a situation with thinking that my idea is going to win and I'm, I'm forced to it down somebody. I always hear them out. But, like, ultimately, logic and math weigh out, right? Like, mm-hmm. if if you can present your idea and if you can present yourself in the way where, like, only an idiot or someone who has bad intentions would want something else, then, like, it's very hard for you to lose. Um, and so with that being said, I'm never really forceful with my ideas. I just present the ideas that I believe and have researched are correct and will work. And because mm-hmm. of that, the ideas usually come to fruition without much uh, resistance. And if there's someone that's just giving me constant resistance because they're a toxic person, they don't want me to win or they don't want the project to succeed because they're dealing with something, then I just do my best to avoid that person on the next project or I just straight up tell them, like, there's something that you're dealing with and the project is kind of going to have to rise above that and I can help you on the side or later on when the shoot's over. That's generally how I deal with um, those issues. Okay, cool. Um, So why... Like, why are you quitting Impact Theory? Because that's an awesome job. I know a lot of people would be like, Johnny, you're crazy. Like, And it's definitely successful already, but I think it's just about to blow up even more. And especially oh, you know, with some other things that they have. They are, they are going to win Academy Awards in six years. I'm calling it right now. You can play this guy. <laughs> Dude, I love it. They're going to do fantastic things. The reason why I'm leaving is because my path is just, it's just a different path. And I learned so much there. And um, I learned a lot about distribution and social media and everything. But one thing that they haven't built out yet, and they will very soon, is just the filmmaking aspect of it. And right now I'm in the point in my life where I just want to learn the craft of filmmaking. And I, when I work, I tend to work very hard on long hours. And I was finding that it was very hard for me to balance my, my own films and interests um, mm-hmm. with working hard and serving them as much as I could. And, I, and when you work with someone and for someone, your number one goal should be to serve them and make sure their goals are being met above your goals. Like when you're with them, like that's how it should be. Like that's, that's the deal. Right. And what I was finding was I was so obsessed with my film and, and what I was doing that I couldn't give myself um, all to them. And because of that, they're losing and you don't want to put them in a losing position. You, mm. you can, they can find some, they can find someone else who can dedicate themselves even more than I ever did fully. Um, and so I'm leaving, obviously, because, like, they deserve someone who is 100% attention there, and everyone else there has that, right? Um, and I'm also leaving because my passion for film is so strong that when I'm not making movies, I get a little bit depressed. And, I, and I'm not going to lie, over those eight months, uh, the stress of not being able to fully work on my movies and myself at all times was getting me kind of sad. And so I realized that I had to mm-hmm. choose between what I like to do and what I love to do, and I chose what I love uh-huh. to do. Dude, yeah. that la- that last thing that was really powerful. How did you get the courage to finally make that cho- like make that decision? Um, how did I get the courage to finally make that decision? Talked to a lot of mentors, talked to a lot of people, um, and one of my mentors actually told me that if your life was a novel and it was a chapter book, mm. and you eventually get to the end, how would you want the chapters to be written to get to the end? Would you want it to be that you've worked at a company for fifteen years to <laughs> finally be able to let them? let you direct a movie for them or would it be 
Would you leave a very secure job that's basically a lottery ticket? Would you uh, fumble your way through L.A., meet cool actors along the way, meet cool directors along the way, um, work for other artists, you know, be creative, fly to Australia for a film shoot, and just, like, do all that? Like, which life would you choose? And I was like, I would much rather choose that adventurous one where I'm uncertain yeah. and I'm fully invested in myself than one where I worked at a company for 15 years. Um, and, again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, there's so many beautiful people that are interested. But it's not you. Yeah, but it, it just wasn't me. Like, like I, my whole life, I've never even had a job. And so, like, it was it was a very foreign concept to me. And I just love being around, traveling, helping people out on, like, the hours that I want. And when you work a job, it's very hard for you to work the yeah. hours that you want. Yeah. But, yeah, beautiful people, amazing people. I, I love them to death, and I'm there to help whenever they need me. Oh, yeah, and that's what's rad. Obviously, it's, yeah, like, a beautiful relationship. And then, like... I can't imagine those people, like, I know Tom probably, you know, gave you some advice as far as, hey, let's, you know, and like, let's do this, because he's that type of person. He's the one who sacrificed a lot to make his passion come true, and so he's not going to hold anyone back who feels the same way and passionate as him, you know? On on my first month there, I actually told him about a movie deal that I got that I chose um, to do Impact Theory over the movie deal, and it was a pretty big deal, actually. Um, so I was offered a quarter of a million dollars to direct a film. So I, would, I, was, I wasn't getting paid that money, but but someone, two female investors from Del Mar, said, yeah. we'll give you $250,000 for, for you to direct a film. And that was around wow. the same time that they offered me the job there. But, like, I recognized the value of just being around them so much, and it, and I would not, I did not regret the position at all. It's a fantastic decision that I made because I learned so much. But I told Tom that on my first month when I was there, that that's a decision I made. And he said I was a fucking idiot. Like, he, he said I was so stupid. He said if he were me in that position, knowing what I value, I would have learned way more taking that uh, feature film. Um, so from the beginning, Tom has always, like, known what everyone on his team wants. And he actually told me that I was the biggest flight risk. He said, Johnny, I think you're the one out of everyone on the team that's going to leave the soonest. He called it from the beginning. And, and because of that, he actually... Um, mentored me a lot throughout it. We would travel a lot and he would give me advice. You know, he, he would tell me to find mentors in the film industry. Like, he was a beautiful person and a beautiful man to put my needs as a human being over his needs for the company, if that makes sense. Like, he valued yeah. his coworkers so much. Um, it's insane. And so, Tom was definitely very, very nice and mentored me throughout the whole process. And dope, dude. And you mentioned that yeah. they are going to win an Academy, Academy Award in the next oh, six they will. years. They, oh, they will. They definitely will. They will win an Academy Award in the next six years. They are building such a huge team and such, they're doing such great things. Like, they are going to achieve their dreams sooner than they think, and their dreams are going to be um, trumped by the actual goals that they achieve. Like, they, I don't they, like it's insane. They're going to have world domination. They're going to be the next Disney. <laughs> I promise dude, you. Like, I love I that. If, if you know what's going on in that house, like, I promise you. Like, it's insane. Dude, I want to say that for you, though, man, like, I think we're getting a glimpse of you of, like, a future Oscar winner. I like, definitely see that in my future. I don't I don't need it um, necessarily. Christopher Nolan, Kubrick, um, it took Scorsese forever, Hitchcock. Uh, they never won Oscars. I don't need one, per se, but, I mean, the validation would be cool, but I, that's not what I'm doing it for. Yeah, and, like, it would be cool, but I think, like, I just feel lucky because I get to talk to you before... All that oh, you're invited, you're invited to the premieres. You're the guest of honor. <laughs> Dude, the guest of honor. I'll be there, bro. Yeah. How did you learn, like, how to dream so big? 
Like, and you just like assume, you just assume it's going to happen. You're like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. Well, my mom, when, when I was younger, I, my mom would put on self-help tapes and motivational tapes when I was younger. Instead of me turning on Scooby-Doo, we never had cable. Like, my mom would literally, when, when she would drive, <laughs> she'd put on like self-help tapes and uh, she put on The Secret, that one that Oprah did or something. Like, yeah. the DVD on at all times. Like, she had me watch it all the time. When I was young, I'm talking like four or five, like, the key moment to program a child's brain. And, I mean, when I was six, I put up a dream board, you know, like, above my bed. So I, when you were I, six. I still, ha- I still had it there. Like, I drew an, I drew myself as an Oscar and, like, and shit. And so, like, ever since, I, like, my parents did a very good job at raising me correctly. Um, and so that's why I have those beliefs ingrained in me. Dude, that's wild. Like, but to think about it, like, you wanted, you had that dream when you were four, and then you had a dream board when you were six. You think about it, yeah, like, 16 years later, like, yeah, you're young, but you've been putting in almost a couple of decades worth of work. It's just interesting oh, yeah, to think I, that yeah. it's like a six and eight year old putting in work, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's fascinating. What is something, as we, as we get close to wind down here, What's something that would, like, surprise your friends? Like, just, I'm learning a lot about you right now, but what's something that you want people to remember you by, that you make sure, like, what do you want to be, like, remembered for? That's a good question. I mean, I I really want to be someone to advance the industry, like, in a new level. Um, and I'm and 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 I don't know exactly what that means. I need to define it more clearly. I I I really want to make films that you know like that rank among like the most impactful of all time. I really want that to happen, you know. Um, but recently, like I've I've been having some cool entrepreneurial ideas. Like, what if like you create an app for VR, and every day it's a new reality you get a, you get to be put in, and the reality is like a 360 camera and like a village in China. You know, like where they don't have Dude, like, you know, cool. like, like imagine if you were to wake up every morning and you put on this app and you put yourself in VR headset and you experience what it takes for a kid to get water, right? Like imagine you wake mm. up in this VR app and that's just like a way to train uh, gratitude. The guy from Charity Water, I think his name's Scott Harrison, like yeah. he got, I think he got like $50 million donated because he gave everybody VR headsets, you know, back when VR was like very like new and emerging to so, like a group of millionaires in a room and he played a seven-day video of how long it took for this young girl in Africa to get water. And when the guy took the VR headsets off, they were in tears. And they were like, wow, like, I literally was there with them. Like, this is a new medium. And so, like, to answer your question, I really want to experiment with new industries. I want to see what can happen and how we can impact people through stories in the best way possible. I think VR is definitely the future for that, definitely. Um, but I don't know what I want to be remembered for. I, I don't know necessarily yet. Yeah, I just want to make movies uh achieve my passion and help people along the way. Dude, I love it. Um so I have a couple more questions for you. This one right here is what can I do for you? Oh, <laughs> uh, what can you do for me? Yeah, um, what can I do for you? I think that you're definitely a very positive influence in my life and if you can keep being that, that would be fantastic. If when my movie comes out you can send it to other people, that'd be great. Um you know, I'd be so happy to do that. Yeah, and if you ever need something from me, you can let me know as well. If I'm ever in Utah, or where where you live? You don't live in Utah anymore. You live in uh, yeah. Where'd you move to again? South Carolina. 
if I'm ever in South Carolina, I need a place to stay. It'd be cool if I could stay at your place. Um, <laughs> I got you, a man. lot of things that you can do. I, I can't think of anything in the moment, but um, I'm also here for you as well. Okay. Thank you, sir. All right. So we've come to the segment that I call Scroll My Soul. And what that means is it's interesting, right? <laughs> um, I call it Scroll My Soul because in my phone, I have a running note in my iPhone uh, from my conversations, from books, from something I hear, any inspirational moments, quotes, whatever it may be. I write it down in my phone and that's just a huge list of things. And I randomly scroll through and I pick something. And I believe that that moment is meant for this. And so I want to hear how you relate to it or an experience, just your thoughts on it, whatever it may be. So I'm going to read this thought. I just want to hear what you think. Cool. I'm ready. All right. So the opposite of success is not trying. It's not failure. So what that means is typically we think that failure is the opposite of success. But truly, the opposite of success is not trying. What does that mean to you? I think that if you want to achieve anything in life, you're going to have to work very hard and try so many things. And if you just don't try, you know, to get yourself to a state or a place in your life where you're going to be happier or contribute to what you want to contribute, then not trying snips it up the bud. Like the tree will never grow. Um, mm. if you never plant the seed, right? And so that's what I think that means. And now that we're on metaphors about trees, um, like the, the trunks have to like, you know, pivot through like crevices in the concrete and they have to like go through houses, like, like the, uh, roots. I mean, not the trunk. That'd be a very weird tree. Um, but yeah, like, like, like that's not necessarily, you, you wouldn't tell a root that it failed if it like hit concrete, right? Eventually that mm. concrete is going to break apart and, and it's going to break the foundations of the, the fucking house. And so I think that you never would have planted the seed and never tried. You would be nowhere near, you know, the tree and the growth that you had. But if you try and you fail, you can always pivot and continue on towards the success. I'm not really that into trees. I don't know why I use that as a metaphor. I apologize. But I no, dude. Point. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think, like, you nailed it, like, if you don't ever try, of course you're going to fail. Like it's an automatic fail. And if you do at least try something, it might not work out oh, exactly oh, oh. how you think, but you can yeah. pivot and try different things, you know? What was that quote about the bike? Like you, you don't learn how to ride a bike without ever getting on, something like that? Yeah, dude, I like it. Um, where? So when is this next film going to be out? And do you know like the level of distribution yet? This film is going to be out in about three to four months, and I am going to work very hard to get musical artists attached to it so that they can uh, read. So for, so there's, there's two paths for a film. There's film festivals, and then there's online distribution. I think film festivals are outdated. Um, the reason why people put their films in film festivals is so they can get people to see it that wouldn't see it otherwise, and so that they can get the right people to see it. I okay. think the internet completely cuts through that, because I've been in film festivals. I've had films played at film festivals, and you still have to pay tickets to get into your film, right? Like, like even even if you had to film into the biggest film festival in the world and people don't know about your film, like, there could be five people in the theater. Also, those producers who you wish saw your film, like, what's a better chance of them seeing it? At a film festival that they walk into an unknown film or on the Internet when you email them a link and you go, you changed my life. I loved in that movie where you did that thing in the scene where, like, the camera did this and it cut to that. It would be amazing if you analyze my film or at least watch the first 30 seconds and continue watching it if you like it. 
right? Like the internet just changes so many things. You can attach musical artists to score your movies and have the musical artists retweet your film if they believe in the social cause that you're trying to promote, right? You can have, uh, I'm, I'm going to have three big music artists score tracks my film and release the film um, when they post about their new song. I'm going to, um, okay. I studied YouTube a lot and I studied social media a lot when I was at Impact Theory, so I'm going to use those techniques to promote my film. Um, and also at film festivals, it takes eight months for you to be able to release it online because most film festivals don't allow you to release it online. My film is about spreading kindness and love and change. If I put it at a film festival, like, you cut off the exponential growth of the Internet's ability to touch people's lives. And so the distribution for my film is going to be on the Internet, um, trying to cast the widest net possible to help and spread the message that I want to spread. Um, so that is the level of my film distribution. And I expect that to happen in three, four months. I'm in post-production right now. So summer 2019 for everyone. Yes. Yep. Yep. And then is summer it going to? I assume it's free for people to watch, or oh, the yeah. donation level, or people don't pay money for short films. And so, like, what's the? So, how long will it be? It's a good question. So, like, I've shot enough to make it two hours and thirty minutes, but I know that that's not the most efficient way to inject a message into culture. I want yeah. to edit that down to maybe max twenty. It's going to be hard, you know. There's wow. a lot of scenes, but. I, I want to get it as short as possible and punchy as possible. Dude, I'm stoked for that. Dude, I'm I'm excited to see it. I'll, I'll for sure help you spread it. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. Dude, you're not. So as we conclude, do you have any last tips or advice for the people out there? Any last uh, wisdom? I would say that when you bump into somebody at a uh, personal <laughs> development festival, get their numbers. No, really, like develop relationships that you go to. Yeah when you go to like self-improvement like mm-hmm. places or like just in any sort of events in which you find part of your identity at because the people there are seeking the same thing you're seeking or at least in the same mindset. And because I connected with you there, now we're having this conversation and we've mm-hmm. become friends. So I would say like seek people out there like-minded at events where you know like-minded people would be at um, and develop their friendships and help them out in any way you can. That's what's happening mm-hmm. here. That is great advice. And really, Johnny, thank you. Like, I appreciate you, um, yeah, like, allowing a dude to come up to you randomly at, at the event. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day. Um, thank you for the conversation. And I learned a lot. And it was cool to hear you talk about your life a little bit. And you know, you're for sure going to change the film industry. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully the world along with it. I'm stoked for you. I want rest till it happens, and thank you for saying that. Boom, dude. Okay, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. Adios. All right, brother. Have a great day. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with Johnny. This week's challenge is inspired by WeWork. They build beautiful shared office spaces across the country. Um, I first saw them in Salt Lake City, and... Really, their office spaces are truly gorgeous, and their goal is to not just build shared office spaces, but to build community. And that's why they inspired this week's challenge. So whether it's in the office, the gym, or anywhere else, your goal is to meet that one person you've been nervous to connect with. I know I have that one person. I'm like, man, that would be really cool to go to lunch with them, to ask them to talk over the phone, whatever it is, you know? Um, so we can send them a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it may be. Talk to them in person if you see them at the gym or, at, or around the office. Because who knows what that one conversation can turn into. A friend for life, 
a business partner, mentor, boyfriend or girlfriend, it might not even turn into anything, which is completely fine because you're getting out of the comfort zone and you're starting to build your community. So build that network and build that community by connecting to that one person this week. And once you complete that, I would love to hear about it. So once you do complete it, you can post on Facebook or Instagram using hashtag GoLink Challenge. Tag us in your stories. You know, send it to the DM, whatever you want to do. Or you can use the GoLink hotline. The hotline is for if you still want a form of accountability, but you want to remain anonymous. And to use the hotline, hotline, call 385-626-0525 and follow the instructions. Follow us at GoLink Group. My name is Ben. I love you, and this is The GoLink Show.